Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hi, I'm Justin King, and welcome to the Blue Chip Academy. As a five-star recruit, all Big Ten corner, NFL vet, and Power 5 recruiting coordinator, I understand the emotions that go along with the recruiting process. The Blue Chip Academy is here to provide education, critical insights, and mentorship through the recruiting process for families and athletes alike. When athletes and their families have proper education and guidance, they're able to make better decisions and set themselves up for long-term success. Blue Chip Academy provides the resources and information that empowers athletes to create their own blue chip blueprint and take ownership of their careers. Blue Chip Academy exists because when athletes and their families are armed with the right information, they're able to make the decisions for themselves that positively impact their future. Again, I'll be your host, Justin King, and welcome to Blue Chip Academy. Welcome back to the Blueprints of Success interview series, providing unique blueprints, tactical knowledge, best practices to navigate the critical points in the football ecosystem so athletes and parents can prepare a plan for a career path that any athlete can bank on. So this is a special episode. There's only one player each year that gets crowned as the number one player in the country, which is like the highest ranked recruit since they've been keeping track since probably 2000. So only like 22, 22 guys have ever been uh, held this title. So this is my man. Highest ranked recruit to ever attend Penn State University, held Penn State catapult back to the limelight after some dark years in the early 2000s. Went on to get drafted in the third round with the Detroit Lions and spent some time with the Steelers following NFL career, transitioned into extremely successful orthopedic medical sales professional, now living in Houston, Texas. Let's welcome Derek H-Town. Williams. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> My man, Jay King, out here. Yeah, Doing the man. Thing. Hey, you hey, you giving these people some pointers, bro. Like you giving it to them, giving them some knowledge right now. Man, trying I'm, I'm to, proud, man. I'm proud, I'm proud of you. Man, thank you, bro. Thank you. I really appreciate it. I done so seen you- DZ on here. I done seen E, you know, I seen hey, you you put some people on here, bro. Man, the crew gotta keep it going, man. Kind of use the sports thing to catapult, understand the different, you know, pitfalls that sometimes come up and how to, you know, pivot and maximize that whole this whole process. Yeah, so like, yeah. so you've all you've had a very unique perspective in this whole recruiting game. We just talk about recruiting, right? Like recruiting, going to the NFL, just starting from in high school, being the number one player in the country, having all eyes on you, coming from a talent rich area, the DMV, going to the NFL, transitioning out. What's one piece of advice that you would give to someone looking to play high school football and make an instant impact in college football? I mean, the piece of advice is I will always say keep your keep your circle tight. The people around you make sure that like, hey, you got some people that will tell you the truth at all times. You know what I mean? And then also, you got to compete, bro. Like, you got to be a competitor. You got to be able to. You got to want to win. You know, it's a, it's it's a difference in being in the team and being an athlete that wants to win to be like, hey, I'm the guy. You know what I mean? Sometimes sometimes it might sound selfish. Sometimes it might be just different. Like, you know, I've been on teams where it was a receiver that a score, and I'd be like, damn, that was cool, but the ball should have came to me. You know what I mean? Because <laughs> I want to be that guy. I want to be, you know, I want to be that one. You got to be able to hold that, hold that weight. 
you know, um, just playing with like Calvin and all them other guys, like I was always a saying to, to whom much is given, much is required. So, hey, if it was CJ being Megatron, like, hey, when we throw that ball, like it's going to you and you want to always be that guy there. That's that's big having that just uh, like that it's on me man put the put the pressure on me like I want to make the play it's all and like kind of taking the responsibility like you said where you know there's a team aspect but it's like man I want to make a play and having that yeah. Nick Saban said at one time where he likes to coach guys as an individual because it's like you coach as a whole team you're kind of minimizing your special things but like you talk about the mentality where it's like now, I need to maximize my special stuff and know what I bring to the team. Now, I'm all yeah. for the team, but like I can provide something to help the team get to a certain type of uh, a type of and, stance and it, it, or whatever it, the case may be. It, it's a fine it's a fine balance that you got to have with that. You know what I mean? You want to be a team guy, but you want to know that look, hey, when things go when things go on array, like hey, you know who's going to make the play. Always, you said uh, like me and Varo, we competed all the time in high school. And they used to, you know, they were beating up on us one time. And I looked at VAR and I was like, oh, it's D-Wheel time, bro. It's D-Wheel time, bro. And just the like, clarification, when you say VAR, he's talking about Navarro Bowman, all-pro NFL uh, linebacker for the 49ers. But yeah. continue. Yeah, so, but, uh, yeah like, uh, you know, it, it was a time when it was just like, hey, when, they, when the back is against the wall, you want to be that one that's, that step up, you know. And uh, you got to have that attitude to be successful in anything. Like you, you gotta have that attitude. I mean, you and you touched on it coming from the DMV as the number one recruit in, in the country, like a talent rich area, right? You're talking about growing up, you're competing against Navarro Bowman and other guys, you know, KD, all the different athletes coming around in that area, and you're touted as the guy. You know what I mean? So let's talk about the recruiting process. How was your recruiting process coming from the DMV and being the top ranked dude? All right. First off, let's not let's let's not throw this thing down. J.K. on the other side, both of us were the top, top, <laughs> top. So he knows everybody. He knows. You know what I mean. But just coming from there, bro, you got to understand that's when rivals and all that stuff was like getting big and hot. So we were on the scene. I remember like 2004, 2003. Like I was on a magazine, and LeBron was. On the back of the magazine. I was like, what? I look back, I'm like, LeBron on the back. But, bro, like, it was a time. Like, it was the time of, you know, I was lucky to have a brother that went to it before. But it was like, hey, I wanted to go somewhere where I can go and make an immediate impact. Um, and to be honest, what I was just saying about being a guy, I was looking around at different schools and I was like, well, I know USC got Reggie Bush. I know Oklahoma had AP. And I was like, I probably won't be the guy there when I come there. So I wanted to make an immediate impact and, you know, make my own legacy somewhere. Absolutely. That's strong. So, like, you talked about you had a brother that went through the process before you. We always kind of see guys that, I mean, it's, a, it's uncharted waters when you're going through the recruiting process. And a lot of people learn as they go. So having that, uh, like having your brother there before, like, when did you realize that the process was starting to get serious? My process probably started in about sixth grade, bro. And then you got to think both of us finished school. Like, I tell people, like, we might have been, like, the first class that kind of, like, finished school early. And for me, I had to take English class. Um, I had to get ahead of the grade that I was in. So in the eighth grade, I had to start taking high school courses so I can graduate early. So that process and that plan was planned out all the way in the eighth grade. 
You know what I mean? Um, so we kind of had like a vision of like, look, if we're going to be special, we want to leave early. We want to be one of these guys like we need to start this process early. Um, and it was, un, you know, it was unseen uh, territories because we were kind of like the first dudes to do that uh, coming up. So, you know, we kind of laid that, laid that blueprint out for all these guys finishing in December. Um, so, you know, we really had to, like, do some work, had to work with the school boards. I remember my dad going up there was like, what are you talking about? He was like, bro, he's finishing in December. <laughs> like, this is, what, this is on the blueprint. This right. is what's happening. So you would say you put your blue, your your blueprint to kind of your prep high school career and like that that trajectory was it you say seventh eighth grade? Seventh eighth grade. My first scholarship was to Penn State. Um, I think it was seventh grade. You know what I mean? First like offer, not right. like scholarship. I know what you mean. everybody want to talk about. I got a scholarship, and then you got to offer until that that paper come in. <laughs> right. Uh, absolutely yeah, that's real that's real because sometimes these guys get messed up like now definitely like an offer is just to recruit you just to let you know hey we're kind of interested, interested in the whole yeah. thing um so no but we we laid that down about in seventh grade um you got to think if you do it the correct way your junior year going into your senior year you shouldn't have to do camps you're already out there right. you know what i mean so I'm not sure if you did any camps your junior going into the senior year, but I didn't. Like we were already out there. It was almost just like, hey, show my face riding the golf cart with the with the uh, with the coach type thing. Absolutely. What made you think early that 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 early in your career? When, where did the idea come to enroll early? Like just start setting up the academics to be able to enroll in January? Because I remember when we put together our blueprint. It was like I think it was like the first player that did it was John David Booty, and he was down in Louisiana. He went to USC. He might have been a year before us. It was like the first one that I kind of heard of it. It was like, yep. yeah, let's let's kind of let's kind of do that. And um, just wondering, like, where did you got? Where, where did you think of getting that? And I was I was early too, like probably ninth grade when I started yep. making that decision. Well, it was our circle. Um, again, a major reason for me going to Penn State was JB Gerald. That's I call him my cousin. Uh, he was uh, a GA there, um, and he was part of my family circle, and he was probably the 95% of the reason why I went to Penn State. Um, but uh, we all had the idea of the earlier you can get in, get a spring wall underneath you, you know what I mean, the better you'll be off going until the fall. Because once you get spring ball, that's when, like, the coaches are starting to figure out, like, hey, um, this is what our team is going to look like. If you sometimes wait until the fall, is they already have their blueprint, as we would say, to what the what 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 is going to go and go on for the season. So we wanted to get a head start, and um, we had that idea from the eighth grade, from looking at my brother's um, college experience, from having our circle all talk. Like it's just like, hey, you know, this is to be the best thing for Derek. It's so crazy that you talk about like being the first group of guys that kind of went through that process because now it's it's almost a standard if we you know some of the staffs judge if the player is serious or not if they come. Now you got schools that might have fifteen to sixteen guys coming in January because like the idea is like all right I need to graduate in three years I need to go to the NFL and we're talking you know twenty something years ago where this was kind of laid out and it's just right. and it's not and it's not for everybody right because like it's you not, have to be. It's a lot of stuff that I regret, to be totally honest. And Talk I don't about know that. What do you regret about the early decision? You know what? Coming in as big recruits like we were, we were given a lot of stuff, right? 
And it didn't really like lay down the foundation of we had to work for something. Now, you know, you can take that as a good thing. You can take that as a bad thing. Me and you, we didn't stay in dorms. You know what I mean? To be honest, a lot of you cultivate a lot of relationships in the dorm rooms. And we didn't have that opportunity, really, because, you know, everybody thought that we were the big guys on the campus. So we stayed in apartments. It sounds good when you're going into it when you're 18 years old, like, oh, man, I ain't even staying on, on the dorms. I'm going straight to apartments. But after looking back at it, at it, and we're in our 30s now, and then we look at some of our friends, we're like, nah, we don't know them. Oh, you ain't meet them at the dorms and stuff like that? Yeah, I mean, it's an experience that we missed. That's true. That is true. There's, there are definitely are experiences that you miss. And I never really thought about it to that extent because I always talk about the different things and the things that I think I sacrificed. Like, you know, I think about that second half of high school and different things yep. and kind of overweigh the, the benefits that we got, right? Like jumping a head start and all those things. But that the dorm thing is definitely something that picked up our freshman year. It's like everybody kind of knew everybody else and we were kind of separated yep. to an extent. So that's, 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 a, that's a very intriguing way to look. I mean, not even look at it, but your experience. Did you but play multiple? Go ahead. I look. I look at it now, though, Justin, because I'm on the other side of football. I'm in a. I'm in medical sales, and I look at it as what relationships could I have connected to in the dorms that helped me out in my 30s to try to put together like my new like plan of life. You know what I mean? It's some guys in there that were in them dorms that's millionaires, that's you know multi-millionaires that take you way past football. And if I would have had that time, maybe in those dorms, I would have, you know, had a relationship with somebody that could have helped me out later. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Just being able to, like you said, just kind of forcing you to drop yourself into the student body when you're in the dorms and that experience. Yep. It's funny that you said we had some another guest that kind of mentioned the same experience at another, you know, prominent school where there were other people that kind of were multimillionaires on their dorm floor. Were you a multi-sport athlete coming out of high school? Oh, yeah. Which sports did you, which multiple, what sports did you play? You got to shoot at the gun, bro. You got to run that track. You know, <laughs> we we tried to do that at Penn State for a little bit. Right. Coach, Coach Johnson over there pulled so many hamstrings, bro. Got him. <laughs> you you got to do it. Um, I did track and football. Um, I thought I was a basketball player for the longest, um, but that didn't work out for me. I was, uh, you know, I was trying. I might have tried out in a tenth grade for. Varsity, and I made the seventh grade team. <laughs> <laughs> but at least you're in, a, you're in a DMV where y'all put out NBA boys every every year, so you probably were playing with some some real talent. <laughs> oh yeah, no, nah, but mine's a track. I did indoor, outdoor track, and then uh, play football. Uh, I always say you got to put that sport like you almost got to put your sport down for a little bit, refresh, uh, learn some more movements. Um, I mean, track ties in with everything because you're picking up, you know, you 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 have that speed, you have that explosiveness, um, you work on that quick twitch. Um, and my track coach knew what like knew what I wanted to do. And they was like, hey, you might be good enough to even run track in college, too. Um, but just trying to, again, have that have that blueprint down like, hey. You know, after the season, we're going to take this time off. We're going to rest your body. Get your mind thinking about something else so you can be refreshed, you know, when spring starts coming around and y'all start doing seven-on-sevens and things like that. That's so critical, man. That's a, that's a very key point. And you talked about it a little bit, just it seemed like the blueprint and things being in order. And I, I witnessed it going through the process, which you like you having your whole situation, had it moved with a team at an early age. How informed did you feel going through the process? 
Um, I was lucky, and I think both of us were lucky because, you know, our dads were kind of like in the mix. My dad was, uh, you know, AD at the University of Maryland, so I was kind of like, I had some knowledge of it. Then I seen my brother going through it, too. Um, so I was kind of informed there. Um, people, I, you know, I don't know if you looked at that King Richard movie, but I remember, like, you know, uh, Nick Saban, uh, and I remember Pete Curl coming in, and, you know, they're coming in visiting with your families and they want to tell you everything. These recruits, they're going to tell you what you want to hear. They're going to tell your family what you want to hear. My dad would just do something wild. Like, bro, he's like, look at you. I don't really want to hear that. Like, <laughs> like, like let's, let's cut to the chase now. And you know, that that's weird for like, you know, everybody's in Gaga land. Like, oh, Joe Paterno came to my house. Pete Curl came to my house. My dad like, look here, bro. You going to sit down. We going to talk and we going to get everything down on paper. We're going to figure this out. So, like, you know, he had the, the vision of, like, look, all the glitz and glanners are, are, are good, but, you know, um, we got to figure out, like, what what is it that we're going to do to propel my son to his dream to the NFL? Uh, man, that's so powerful because, like, you just having that family asset when you're going through this process with a support group that's kind of helping you focus on what you need to focus on and them kind of protecting and letting you make your decisions. So with that being said – you touched on it a little bit earlier, but what did you base your decision on? You want to know something? I, I based it on me making an immediate impact, right? Um, and then I, I based it on, to be honest, JB being there. Um, to feel comfortable with a coaching staff or with a coach that is inside of those meetings that you're not inside of. And you can hear some of the stuff that's going on in there. Um, that was very, you know, pivotal for me as far as like, you know, I, I knew, like, hey, this is what they plan on doing. This is the game plan. And then, you know, me and, you know, I went in with, like, hey, I'm going to the league. So having JB there, I mean, we would go out, and you know this too, we will go out at night and go into Huluva at, like, 9, 30, 10 o'clock. We'll wake up, be early in Huluva. And he kind of just, like, made me stay on track as far as my dream. Now, there are some other things that, like, I wish I would have – considered a little bit more um and it, it still would have been a major immediate impact but i think sometimes as far as like me and you as far as being those top guys right. you're given a lot of stuff especially in football so when we walked in we were kind of like starters right right and in our groups to be honest we really didn't compete that much Right. So I always will look at now, even when my son goes to it, is how much are you going to compete in your group? Like if me and you drop the ball in practice sometimes, I mean, you know, it'll be oh they drop the ball, get back out there, make the next sketch. Uh -huh. I don't work in the NFL, bro. Like if you ain't a first round or anything like that, you drop the ball. They gonna be like, all right, <laughs> keep dropping it. If you want, you out. You know what I mean? So I, if you're going through three, four years of really not competing within your group, you want to look in that group and be like, bro, I'm 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 competing in this group every day. Like I got to keep my job. Five heartbeats. Every night I got to fight for my love. <laughs> like you got to keep your you got to keep your job, bro. And I don't think, you know, we had great receivers, had great DBs, but I don't think they really I don't think looking back at it, we really had to compete every day within our group. 
I know exactly what you're saying. You talk about that. We talk about it with uh, our checklist where we talk about position group success and like what school you go to having a history of position group success, knowing that there's going to be guys there to sharpen your iron. And there's like a standard of where you're playing, whether you're yep. competing every day. And that's, that is a true point, right? When we talk about going to Penn state at a rebuilding time and kind of yep. being those, those, uh, those uh, spark plugs, but even thinking like two years after we left, like that, culture kind of what you're talking about probably started to develop um, now I, I think right now they do a great job of it. if you look at the receiver groups that are coming out right now at penn state every last one of them every year you got a top guy with uh with hamilton with all those guys you got them dudes doing their job in the nfl uh, but that's because they, they they're starting a process of they competing every day every year you're getting one of them coming out that's so big that you're saying that because it's like you're going to school and it's like, man, I wish I would have, he's saying, I wish I would have competed more just not even for the fact of like success in college, which Derek did have. And it's like to prepare him even more for when he got to the NFL. So just even thinking of playing up, like in hearing Derek's perspective of going into the process with a plan, getting into college and understanding where he wanted to go. And like, even looking back, I think it's really powerful to say that and, and, and be honest and say, wish you having more competition going in and, kind of continue to iron sharpen iron from the beginning within your group. You know what I mean? That's. And I mean, we had a hell of a group. We had butts and we had Norwood, you know what I mean? But to be honest, sometimes when I dropped, when I dropped the ball, Derek Moy should have came in. James should have came in. Like it's guys in there. We we had uh, uh, a most talented kid that we, we've had was Chris, Chris Bell. Chris Bell. Uh, <laughs> Chris Bell in that thing, Chris bro. Bell. Yeah, bro. Like, hey, hey, when when things happen, the coaches got to hold you accountable because in life, that's what you're going to be accountable for. No matter what, like no matter what job you got, no matter whatever it is, I'm managing. And if somebody can't come in and bring the numbers in that I want, like, bro, I got to find somebody else. Like, it, it doesn't matter. Like, that's just life. That's life, and that's critical, man. So looking back, imp- that impact, right, and understanding that the, the position group success and having that iron sharpens iron aspect when you're in your uh, your position room. That I mean, that's that's so critical, and I think that's a hundred percent right. Um, when you made the decision, were you thinking about post football career during the process? Nah, not at all. Only thing I was thinking about wearing that gold jacket and being a millionaire. Gold jacket and millionaire. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, I ain't know nothing about nothing else. That was all it. And that was my fault. You know what I mean? Um, and, you know, I don't ever think that you should go in a situation with a plan B or plan C, but you need to grow and need to be able to connect. Um, and I think that I was so focused that my growth as a human didn't really connect with it. I was so focused on everything that didn't matter besides the NFL. Well, shit, if I, even if I made millions and even if I was in a gold jacket, those relationships that I could have cultivated, those people that I might have just thought that, like, hey, you know, um, they're not, they're not going to help me get to the NFL. Like, later on, we could have connected later, and whatever they got going on or anything, like, everything kind of works in full circle, bro. And you can't skip processes at all. You can't skip people because people make this world go round. Taking advantage and maximizing this whole op- this whole process. When we talk about not having a fallback plan, I agree with you. I always tell guys like it's not a fallback plan. You need to have an acceleration plan. Like so, what you're yeah. saying is like going through and knowing that like 
all right, I need to make sure I'm filling up these buckets as I'm going towards my goal. And if not, like I can surpass it and get to that next point. That's, that's, that's huge, man. That's huge to even say. So after all that, what was the best part of the recruiting process for you? <laughs> uh, my, I mean, visits were great, man. I always tell everybody, take all your visits. Um, you only get one shot at this. Um, understand that, you know, you can go to different areas. You can see different people. Um, you know, you can meet. Uh, you think about it like when I went to Texas, Vince Young and all those guys was there. And those are Heisman Trophy guys. So you kind of like him see and meet these guys and um, and see different coaching staffs and everything like that. So my visits was great. Um, you know, so I, I would say that 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 part of it was probably the best. Okay. Uh, just going around and uh, seeing diff- different stadiums and stuff like that. That's that's kind of what got me. Yeah, getting engulfed into that college, that elite college football stuff is pretty. Yeah. It's pretty uh, infatuated. It's, it's it's an amazing experience. What was the worst part? After it all, um, I wish I was ranked number two in the, in in the, uh, in in the nation rather than number one. Really? Yeah. Can we go into that a little bit? Why you say I, that? I was younger, and um, you know, mental health and all that stuff like that is is a big thing, right? And I believe in it. But as far as being number two, you always got something to work at. Number one is always looking behind, trying to figure out if one if they're going to find out about me, one if somebody's going to get me. So I was always looking at like, hey, is somebody going to get me? Um, and my mental wow. at that point in time wasn't strong enough. And I wish I had something to shoot for because I felt like everybody was shooting for me for having that number one tag. Man, so we'll, well, I'm not, man, we're going to jump into it now. I, th- I talk about in the next section, we're going to talk about transitioning to Penn State. And it's interesting even hearing you say that because I always say that you're one of the hardest working players that I've ever seen, right? Like almost like to the point, like, like, like you weren't the number one player in the country. Yeah. Like, like to that, to that standpoint of like working like a walk on would work. And that's a, that's an interesting way of even looking at it, even hearing your perspective of kind of where it was coming from. So when we, before we jump into your time at Penn State as a player, to leave the recruiting process buttoned up will be one key takeaway that you would share with anyone that better equip themselves to go through their the recruiting process. One key is do what's best for you. Um, you know, you got a lot of these schools out there that, you know, have the huge names and all that stuff like that. And to be honest, when we went to school, Penn State was on a low, on like on a low haul. But do what's best for you and where you can make an impact, not only on the football field, but just in the community, um, because all that stuff comes full circle. Um, and, you know, go somewhere that when you connect to their coaching staffs and everything like that, they'll develop you into a great man um, and, and take those steps there. I think we had some you know, great coaches with, you know, Coach Jay, Coach Norwood, um, you know, and, and then if you if you really think about, you know, just the guys that we had there with like Mike Robb and AZ, um, they kind of made us kind of like fall in line and, you know, make sure that we compete and show our work ethic and everything. And that's what kind of, you know, propelled us for having a great career. Um, you know, so I, I think that uh, I think that those are important there. That's, I mean, that's so important, man. You hit on some very <clears throat> powerful points. So now we just transition into Penn State, right? You talked about you want you, you wish you would have came out at number two just to have that thing that you're going for. But you're coming in with high expectations. You're number one guy, like you said, 
Penn State's on a downswing. So it's like coming in and a level of both of us, right? Where it's like a level of saviors that's uh, <laughs> coming to town. How was the transition for you into Penn State? You come well, you in remember, January, it's snowing. My, you remember my first night? I was like, bro, let's wake up at five thirty and get to the get to the get to the uh, get to the weight room. We did that joint one night. <laughs> <laughs> like, bro, we did that joint one night. I was like, yeah, but uh, I mean the train. <laughs> I was like, bro, I wonder if JK remember, dog. We did that one night. I like. Bro, we gonna go into it's six o'clock and when we go with the first group. <laughs> we learned real quick after that. <laughs> we learned real quick after that, yeah. In the snow and everything. <laughs> In the snow and everything, yeah. Man. <laughs> so how was it for you, man? How was the transition then? I think the transition, and I'll just speak for me, but I think it's for both of us. We knew we were fast. So I've always found that like the one thing that I'm going to show up on is all running stuff. Like, hey, I'm going to be the first one. So if everybody look at me, if if something comes in, we'll be like, hey, at least he fast, right? So the transition was I tried to find that one thing that I was good at and build off of that. Um, and then the transition as far as picking up the plays and all that stuff like that, that was pretty easy because it's all relatable after a while. Um, and then I took the time to try to learn and and uh, try to be a part of the team, but always wanted to have that one thing that I was good at, and uh, that was you know when we did gases and everything like that. I looked around, I knew me and JK were going to be first, so y'all can say what y'all want, but we're going to be first going front of these. We might be weak in the weight room, we might can't lift on our legs, but bro, we're going to be first in this joint coming up right now. That was my next question, man. Was the weight room? How was that transition into the weight room? Because like I talk about that is like that's just an important piece of college. We just talk about development, dealing with the weight room staff, and and it being a, a critical point. Because when I look back and just what aspects of the university to uh, evaluate, like you said, you wish you would have looked at some aspects of the competition within your position group. And sometimes I look at the weight room. How was the weight room transition for you? Um, to be honest, I didn't know too much about the weight room, bro. And I wish I would have educated myself more on how I wanted my body, how I wanted to be explosive, how, like how, how I can develop all that stuff. Right. Um, now these kids are starting a lot earlier and they might can do a little bit more than what we, we did. We knew we were fast, but we didn't know, Hey, look, Olympic lifting might be better than, you know, our machine lifting. Um, you think about a guy like Saquon, and how he was doing all the Olympic lifting and all those guys at Penn State right now, that's, if you really look at it, that's why they're number one all the time at the combines, bro. Like, Explosion. You can, you can look at all that stuff and be like, once that combine stuff come around, all that, all that credit goes to them weight room guys because you're taking these, these kids that might be fast like us, one, keeping them there or getting them faster and stronger. Um I think we had a we had a great staff with uh, you know Jeremy and JT. Um, they took us a whole, um, but I wish I would have been educated a little bit more about how I wanted my body to look, how explosive I wanted to be, um, because it might have been some different things that I would have considered about like the weight room and stuff like that. Either if they wasn't doing it there, I could have did it on my own, or you know um, maybe it even made a difference in the decision on where you're going to school. I think it's, that's a big point, right? Like when you, and that's a very honest from you because when you talk about where it's going to school, like you talk about the relationships that you build in the weight room and how you want your body, like if you're getting faster, stronger, bigger, 
how chiseled you're going to be and all those different things. And then you see like the relationship in different places, right? You had the situation that happened in Maryland where you have a guy die. You have Iowa situation where racism and bullying come up in different places. Not that we went through anything like that, but those are the different things in that kind of space that takes up so much of your college um, time that I mean, it's very important. What are the coaches that you're going to spend all your time with, bro? The most time, the most time you're going to spend with is those guys that's in the weight room. Boom. Boom. When was that moment when we got to Penn State where you thought, man, this is serious business? It seems like you already knew going through, like you had a plan and knew where you were trying to get to the Hall of Fame. But like when, when you got to Penn State, you're like, man, this is real. I think our first spring game when – we came out to the stadium and I had that had that uh, had that crowd there. Growing up in 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 DC, the PG County area, like football is is good, but our stadium might hold like six hundred people, seven hundred people at max, and that's a good game. That's packed. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, so then walking out there to a spring game with like eighty thousand, and you know, you know, at that time with that freshman class that we had, like we were, we were it. We were the thing to, thing to be. So we was like rock stars. And I was like, damn, this, this, this is what it is right now. <laughs> That's what it is. I do remember that first spring game. That was a little surreal because it was like the hoopla of us being there in the spring and coming out. And like, there was like 80,000 people at, a, and we're like at practice, like, at practice, up, yeah. like it was a little rain or whatever the case may be. So it was clear that we were going to make an impact in spring ball, but just based on like coming out to practice, like the first day you made, I ain't going to put the, the safety on, on blast. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah, Chris, yeah. man, Chris, he made Chris around fall, like pop, pop. Like, you know what I mean? You know, breaking up a couple passes or whatever, they yeah. got, you know, throughout practice. So it was like kind of made splash as soon as we got there. So it was like, all right, we knew going back to the, you know, our, our apartment that we were going to make some impacts during the season. How did you feel about the game speed like in college when we got there? I always thought that a lot of times the game speed relies on the D line. When I'm on offense, D line and linebackers, right? When you when you in when you in in uh, high school, you see Obama's reverse field, do all that other stuff. Ah, you know what I mean? You can do all that stuff with them because you know they Rudy boots. They slow. They slow, but. You got now, you got these dudes running four threes, bro. <laughs> like, like you reverse if you want, you're gonna get hawked. But um the game speed picked up a lot. You know what I mean? I always tell people, especially as a receiver, um, the separation as far as like in, when you're doing one-on-ones, when you're running your routes, in high school, you're very open. So, you know, when I'm training these high school guys, when I'm, you know, watching practices and I'm talking to some of these receiver groups, I'm like, high school, you're very open. In college, bro, them being right behind you a little bit, you know what I mean? You're open. You got a little bit more space. In the NFL, that is open. Like it's it's like that. You know what I mean? So that space always comes down, and you're you're dealing with some dealing with a different talent, different people that can keep up with your speed. So you got to really uh, hone down on your technique. Um, so that was a that was a difference as well, just to see the space you create when you you know when you're open. That's uh, yeah, that's very critical, especially because you know. Short area quickness and all that good things for receivers are critical factors to, you know, having success. So we talk about like spring ball making making plays. And you went into the season making plays, right? Ohio State, uh obviously Northwestern, a big catch, and it was like an immediate impact. How much of the spring ball acclimation period did you kind of 
attribute to your instant success when you hit the field as a freshman? I think it was, I think it was big time. You know, I think it was everything uh, because again, with both of us, we can have speed, but if you don't know what you're doing, speed ain't speed ain't nothing, right? Right. You know what I mean? If you can play with confidence and you understand where you're supposed to be, you understand uh, the system. That's when you can see a four three guy because a four three guy can look like a four seven guy if he don't know what he's doing. You know what I mean? Everybody looking like, man, I didn't know he was that fast when he runs, but that's because he don't he doesn't have the knowledge or he doesn't understand what he's doing out there. So he he's playing confused. Mm-hmm. So us doing that spring ball, what it what what it did was it eliminated the confusion there. So it was more of like, hey, if I know that I got a too high safety and I'm the slot guy, I'm gonna take the middle. Now I can do that full speed and I see it because I've been seeing it in practice. And I I didn't just see it these 12 practices uh, before the season. I've seen it for 24 times now because I did spring ball. And I can understand and I can recognize it. And my quarterback now knows that, hey, I can trust this guy because we've been through this. So I think it gave our quarter it gave the it gave the, our offense more confidence, but it also gave me a, a ability to to be faster and play with confidence, play with no play, play knowing what I'm doing. Play game speed, game play speed coming from understanding the football that you're actually playing. So like guys getting your playbook so you can play fast. You know what I mean? That's why people bring up guys 40 yard dash when they're slurred, but like, man, if they got high football IQ, football is about anticipation angles and numbers and all that good stuff. So you hop into the season you're killing. You're having. You're making plays. You're you're doing guys like AJ Hawk against Ohio State scoring touchdowns. Now we get to Michigan. And you deal with a season-ending injury in 05. And I was balling that game, <laughs> bro. I was balling. So, so there we go. So like after a scorching start in 05, man, you get injured. But like, can you take me through that process? Because I, I mean, most guys in sports haven't gotten any serious injuries to that point. We talked talk about that. Um, man, first off, just going through it, uh, again, like mental health is huge, right? And I, I definitely look into it. I definitely try to – I definitely believe in it. Um, when you've been on the mountain high for so long and never got really injured or anything like that, and then you go through that and, you know, you, you feel like somebody's sitting you down, like that's something that you got to deal with, like – you got to understand, like, bro, like, it's it was days that I didn't feel like going to class because I was like, shit, I mean, they took, like, why this happened to me? Um, so I went through a lot of depression at that time as far as, like, uh, I'm not playing, um, you know, being that number one guy, like, are people catching me? Um, so I'm like, you know, I, I felt a whole bunch of pressure on me. Um, so, you know, just having that circle, having JB around, having a coaching staff with like coach Jay and coach Norwood and, you know, some of the guys on the offense and stuff like that. Um, you know, that's what kind of kept me still going and kept me looking, uh, towards, uh, getting back the next season. Uh, I remember even crying orange bowl game because bro, I was practicing a little bit out there mm-hmm. and I told Joe, like I can go, but you know, you had a we kind of had a coaching staff and Joe did a great job of like, you know, taking care of his, his guys where he was just like, Hey man, you got a lot more football left in your life. Like this is just one game. Um, so I'm not going to play you this game. So, you know, but I was on the sideline. Hot. He was definitely big on <laughs> prevention, but like that is, that's key on what you're saying. Like going through that. Cause like 
you were balling just to give context. Like he's coming in as the number one, number one recruit. He's living up to the hype. He's playing, he's playing at a high level, scoring touchdowns. And then all of a sudden the season's ended after we kind of flipped Penn State around and we continue to still have some success. We end up losing that Michigan game, which is a, a hurt piece because we end up going 11 and one. Um, something that was probably my fault, but uh, that's another story for another day. Uh, but how like you talked about a little bit, like it was tough when you got to Florida to the Florida State game. How was it when we were still winning for you? Um, you know, it, I, it was two things. I wish that I was out there for with you guys, but then after a while, I was like, um, the team gets it right, and you can see what the coaching staff were, were talking about when they were saying, "Hey, we're one or two players away." Um, and when I say that they get it is if you got guys that come in, we didn't know about losing, me and you. When we went in, we didn't know. Our class didn't know about losing. Right. You know what I mean? Penn State, before we came in there, I think they were like four and seven or four and six or something like Three that. Three and nine, I think. We kind of went in there and we was like, bro, we ain't a part of that. Like, y'all, like, we going we gonna to work. We're going to work. We're going to show you. I know we're young, but we're going to try to do everything that we can do to, to – to, you know, propel like, hey, this is how our career is going to go. This is how it's going to, you know, pad, the, the torch is going to be passed. And I, you know, I wanted to be out there, but I also saw the torch being passed where, you know, we had successful seasons after that. And, um, you know, it, it, that that's kind of how I looked at it, you know. But I, I definitely was hurt that I couldn't go out there because I, I thought that, you know, that probably would have been my best season ever. Right. Um, and no telling what things would have came after that. Not the hard one, because I know just injuries are tough for guys to go through. And a lot of times you're going through it. And like you, you mentioned in mental health a lot. And I know I dealt with a lot of injuries in the NFL and some at Penn State. What is like, what was one of the hardest things to deal with? Like, did you feel like people kind of started ignoring you after you got hurt? Did you feel like, like what was the main thing was like, I know I can't play, but what was like the hard thing about the day to day? Um, it almost makes you feel like you're useless, bro. Like, you know, um, one thing that I learned when I was in the NFL, you know, I never got into coaching, but I had a mentor as a great coach with uh, Sean Jefferson and all those guys. So when I would get injured, he would kind of almost mentor me in like a coaching uh, aspect as far as understanding the game, mm -hmm. understanding coverages, understanding route schemes, uh, route combinations and stuff like that. Like, understanding it um, and he kind of like put my eyes on like man it would be really nice to be a coach because I started understanding the game more and when you understand the game more and you and you have to sit down when you get out there man that's even you're, you're playing even faster you know what I mean so you know like hey if this if this you know outside linebacker buzzes over I'm gonna hit him with an eye like you know you you can start anticipating what things are doing so Again, the knowledge base of even when you're sitting down, um, if you can start pin, you know, pin, um, if you start visualizing like, hey, I'm going to get better at this of my game. I'm going to start understanding coverages more. I'm going to start understanding the whole scheme. I'm going to start understanding what the linemen are doing to make me a hot receiver. You know what I mean? When I see a when I see eight in the box or if one comes off, I know that I got the slant because this lineman doesn't have nobody. So just starting to understand the game a little bit more, that was big for me. Man, turning into a true chess game, man. Like you said, that's when guys start playing at a hyper speed. And that's a, 
it's a critical point for younger players looking at the game, man, like taking those X and O's serious, man. You mix that with some natural athletic ability and understanding how to set things up. Sky's the limit. So while we were at Penn State, uh, what was the, was there a critical advantage you noticed or identified while we were there? Like we were like, man, I need to take advantage of this. You said, you mentioned earlier some things about the dorms and things of that nature, but is that, was that the only thing? Um, I think also making yourself, uh, sometimes I think you, it's sometimes where you have clicks that's in the team. Um, and I think that we didn't do like a bad job of opening up, but I wish I would have opened up more to the whole entire team. Mm-hmm. Um, where, you know, you have guys, again, you got CEOs in the locker room, bro. You got people that's uh, the head of hedge funds in the locker room. And if you don't understand, like, the direction and keep in touch and stuff like that, like, you know, this this world is about who you know, you know. And if you can make those connections right there, man, it can help you for the rest of your life. Man, that's a gem worth a million dollars right there, man. Like, that's just taking advantage of this, the, the, like the critical view that you have, whether it's other elite people, whether it's students, they're actual teammates that do great yeah. things, especially when you go to, you know, top-tier universities like Penn State and other places in the country. So when we're at Penn State, you know, what, one, one, one other thing that I, I wish I would have did. See, I think that, uh, you know, I wasn't really a true receiver, right? I was, uh, and I think both of us might've been like, if we were a Jack of all trades, right? Where you can put us at running back, you can put us at quarterback, you can put us at receiver. Um, you know, Penn State did a pretty good job at, you know, utilizing us all over the place. Um, and if uh, you got a team, you gotta you gotta have them understand that vision. You gotta understand that vision. Uh, but it also hurts you too when you go to the next level and they might not have that vision for you because now you're a jack of all trades, but not a master at anything. You know what I mean? And uh, that kind of might have hit me in my NFL career because you know, hey, I was probably a, a B plus as a running back. I was a B at receiver. I might have been a C or a B plus at quarterback. But when you gonna be that A, bro, I need you to be that A right now. So just kind of still looking at that coaching staff and how they can develop you and develop your talents and, de- and understand your vision. Man, that's honest and that's a hundred percent correct, man. Just like, like understanding to like zero it in, right? I talk about me playing both sides as a freshman and only playing two years corner and go to the NFL. But like when you get to the NFL, it's not really about being halfway good. You have to have an elite trait and you have to be like kind of zeroed in on something. Yep. Like there's a very few, t- very minimal amount of time to develop something, right? So it gets point. You, you can get it, but to what Derek's saying, a lot of times is in college, that process is, that's the, that's the cooking process. You know what I mean? Yep. So just understanding what that is and actually being honest about we were there as a little bit of jack of all trades and where that kind of affect them at the next level. So making sure that those pieces fit when you're going to college and that if your dream is to go to play NFL, that that's a, a stepping stone that you're ready for. What was the worst yeah. part? Worst part? I don't know, man. We were so fortunate, bro. Like it's some stuff that I look back at and I'll be like, man, you know, maybe I wish I would have did this more. But worse, uh, we had a good we had a good group of guys, man. We had a good group of guys. Um, 
you know, I think that for me, the worst part was is we're two seconds away both times from going to the national championship, uh, my freshman year and our senior year. Um, but as far as the process, as far as like my friend group, as far as the circle, as far as class and all that other stuff, you know what? I got one. My worst thing was, bro, when they asked me what my <laughs> They asked me what major you want to major in. I said football, bro. I don't <laughs> care what y'all say. Whatever it is that that get me through, look, I, it's football. So I think I, I, me honestly, I think I would have came in more of a plan of like um, what I want to do after football and gotcha. try to figure that out. Again, I didn't have a plan B. So when they asked me, I was like football. I, I don't know. That's exactly my. I don't know. So just the easiest sure, thing yeah, it's the worst part not having that plan like as input and as tight as your plan was in football not having that plan I guess off the field to be able to maximize everything that you could have you felt like you could have maximized that yeah. even yeah. though it still comes back around but like actually diving in while we're going through it I I would agree 100% with that, that and me as well because just you get so bogged down with sports and like you said you get that tunnel vision you know we're talking about trying to get to a point where that top 1% and sometimes I yep. try to you guys, at least hear it from me to you. Like sometimes just giving ourselves a little grace, right? When you're like focused on that and you are getting into that top 1%, top 1%, there is a little bit of things that do fall aside. But like at the same time, moving forward with these next guys coming up, just kind of break those blocks down and can keep that singular focus, but still have your eyes on that next prize. Man, that's, yeah. that's so, and that's just some powerful stuff. So when we talk about a key takeaway for a guy that's a five-star recruit and he's trying to get into college, he wants to make that impact as a freshman. Because like when I was recruiting, everybody's talking about, man, I want to come in and I want to play right now. What was that thing that what would you share to that five-star that's coming up that wants to play? Five star, do we got NIL? He got NIL, dude. He got NIL too. Yeah, NIL. Ooh, Lord, Jesus Christ. <laughs> man, you might not be talking if we ain't NIL, NIL right now. <laughs> yeah, uh, man. Um. If it's that five-star guy, um, what I would say is, it, I mean, the takeaway that I would say is um, you want to make that immediate impact. You want to be in a position group that competes, um, but you want to leave yourself as marketable as possible. Um, because right now with social media, with all that stuff like that, you can do so much more outside of the game if you're branding yourself, if you're if you're taking advantage of all the opportunities um, that, that 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 are presented for you. Um, so I would always say, hey, man, you know, keep your head down, but don't keep it all the way down, mm-hmm. um, you know. Um, but, uh, you know, keep your head down, work, make plays, and maximize the time that you have because that time gets taken away real quick. That's true. When that door shuts in this football thing, it does shut. So you talked about yep. a little bit, man, NIL. That's kind of the new in the college lands, landscape now that guys are dealing with. Uh, what are your thoughts on NIL? Being one of the few players that probably would have got gotten money coming out when we were coming out of high school. Hear your thoughts on that. To be honest, I think that it was needed. Um, I also got a different thought that right now it needs to be some type of regulations on it. Um and what I say that is that, one, we're not uh, – at 17, 18, sometimes you're not financially responsible. Sometimes coming from where no matter – you know, some backgrounds, your family might not be financially responsible. Um, but I think that it should be some regulations where, to be honest, like if you – it should be a – for everybody, it should be almost like a uh, like a cap that you could hit every year and then – 
you know, if you graduate. Well, I always say if you graduate is because NFL didn't, I mean, it worked for me, but it didn't work out for me. My degree holds so much value. You know what I mean? So if you graduate, I will release all the money that they've made um, because, you know, that paper means so much more if this stuff doesn't work out. You know what I mean? So uh, I think that it was needed, but I think it needs to be more of a re regulation of if you graduate. And I think some of these programs can kind of like tie it around that. Like, hey, look, man, you know, hey, we give you 20000 a year, 30000 a year. That's a lot of money. bro. we had hundreds, not thousands. <laughs> we had you know, $110 a month. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? So, you know, uh, I uh, I would I would just kind of that's that's kind of my thoughts on the NIL. I think it. It, it's helping these kids somewhat. I think it's kind of hurting the game a little bit too, because, you know, if you look at these coaching staffs and something that was like installed in, in, installed with us was like, it wasn't fear, but it was like, bro, if I mess up, like, I know I'm going to run, I know I'm whatever. Yeah. Maybe give me that paper. I might've been like, man, Hey, y'all can say what y'all want. I got this bag, bro. <laughs> I got this bag. <laughs> I got this bag, bro. Yeah. So y'all can do it. Like, it's kind of sometimes harder coaching um, and laying down that, like, ultimate focus with kids making these tons of money that they're making here. But it's got to be a special guy. He got to produce. And that's the key piece, man. We talk about, man, we talk about the top percent of guys that are getting paid. The one thing that I always try to caution guys is, like, going in and kind of having their eyes wide open on the cash when it's really – it's a small few – a uh, group yep. of guys that have to like that take advantage of it and like the real cheese is like making that dual lane branding making plays on the field and like cleaning your stuff off the field so they kind of converge at a tipping point but not being so focused off the field to get money where you ain't worrying about your game on the field you got a lot of guys coming up in high school now kind of losing focus on that so that's a big piece of just giving those guys support because you've mentioned this is the guy that's been the number one player in the country went to the NFL and all those different things and understands the different pitfalls and lack of support that kind of comes with the different expectations that these things come with. Right. Yeah. So if you were going through the NIL process, like how would you come out of high school? How would you have handled the process going? Like say we're going into Penn state. How would you have thought, how would you have handled your NIL situation? I would have said if the school matched up with the brand that I was trying to create. Um, I also would have tried to figure out too. um, you know, what type of deals that kids were already getting, see what I can kind of, you know, capitalize on. Uh, and then I, I would have tried to figure out, to be honest, um, someone in the weight room, someone in the coach staff that I can count on that, hey, bro, at 7, seven o'clock at night when everybody sleep or 9 o'clock or 11 o'clock at night when everybody sleep, I need you to work me out because I want to keep this money coming. Because if you don't produce, bro, like that money gonna be taken away from them. some of these dudes. They might be signing deals, but you know what I mean. It's 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 uh, it's things that they gotta meet up to to get that money. So I gotta you you gotta be able to you know produce on that field. But uh, I definitely would have looked at my brand, what I'm trying to create, and if the school matched up with that. That's that's true because you're entering like these mega ecosystems that you can when you build a brand the right way become a legacy asset within that brand, right? We see it at different schools, whether it's like Penn State with linebacker you, like that's going to live forever amongst players that, you know, just whatever. But if you have your own personal brand, there's brands of players at Penn State or USC, Ohio State that live on forever. So like capitalizing on all those situations, that's, that's important, man. So we talk about yep. transitioning 
into the NFL. You know, obviously, all right, college thing's over, and now it's getting serious. It's like, all right, NIL's here. I mean, NIL's here now, but, like, that's, like, the first step before real business, how we came out. So how was the agency selection process for you? Because that's, like, the first thing that you're kind of a professional player. Now you got to pick an agent. You know, but I I let my dad and my little circle kind of handle that. Um, We felt comfortable with uh, Shafi. Uh, I met him early in uh, Penn State. He was a former Penn Stater. Um, We felt like he was going to hustle for us. Uh, He's probably one of the best agents that's out there. He did a great job with my experience. Uh, And just someone that always stayed in tune and touch with the family. We wanted that to be another member of the circle that represented you outside of and understood your brand. Um, and I think Shafi, you know, he was uh, he was all that, man. He, um, you know, he it'll be times when, you know, when I was um, when I was in the lead and stuff like that, he'll just check on me. He'll make sure I needed everything that I, you know, uh, that I would need. He would always give it to me uh, in the training process, um, you know, preparing for the draft and everything like that. Um, he, uh, he was always there. Now, in some things I ain't listened to him with, like he told me don't run at the combine after I had the flu. And I was like, man, forget that, bro. <laughs> and, uh, you know, uh, I should have probably listened to him then. Uh, but it was somebody that I, that I definitely trust. And so would you say that was your, like your main critical pack factor when picking an agency was who you could trust? Yeah, who, who you can trust, who you comfortable with, who, um, again, like it was almost like picking a school, like especially like a school with NIL. Like you want somebody to represent your brand out there and understand you as a person, understand your work ethic, understand what you're good at, um, you know, and, and understand somebody that's going to hustle for you, too. And I think Shafi has been all that. That's why he's been so successful now. Absolutely. He's been very successful. And so, like, when you talk about that critical point when you're picking an agent and the next thing you go in, is into the pre-draft process where the agent is invested into you, get your body right, and making that transition to the NFL. See a lot of players, sometimes they go places and they kind of fall into pitfalls. You might get to the wrong city. And they kind of trick yeah. the dope off before they get to their next spot. How was your pre-draft process, one, and what are some pitfalls that players can fall into that they need to stay clear of during that incubation period? I mean, I think the biggest one is make, you know, you're thinking you already made it. You haven't made it yet, bro. Still, um, that first year is probably the longest year of your life with training, with, you know, the season, with off season, with just everything that's going on with it. It's the most important, most important time of your life right there. Um, and the longest period of your life. But, uh, you know, uh, like I said, with Shafi, he kind of just gave me the, the lip of, of just everything that was going on there. Okay. Perfect, perfect. Is there anything different you would do during your pre-draft process? You know what? At first I started off, I'm not even going to say their name. At first I started off at one facility, but it was a facility that everybody went to, that it was like, oh, this is the spot that you go to. Um, and then Shafi realized that might have not been for me, and he like honed it in on like just one particular area, and he was like, uh, you know, we went to a smaller guy. And that's why I said it meant so much to be with Shafi because – you know, he knew me as a player and he was like, you'll be better at this place here and not just sending you to the popular place. That's big. Having that, having that critical point because everybody's path is different and it's an individualized thing. Sometimes we fall into that trap in football where it's like team oriented, everything's team, everything's team. And you got to kind of fall into the line of like, whether it's a group of people in the agency, a group of people in training or a group of people here when it's like, no, Derek's 
plan of attack needs to be like this. And so having somebody yeah. have your back on that is incredibly important. How was your draft day? Um, it was cool. It was cool. Uh, we thought that call was going to be earlier, and then we saw a, a trade come up that 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 uh, in the second round. Uh, so that kind of got me worried. Um, but uh, all in all, it was it was a good experience, you know, um, to do that with my family and everything like that. It was uh, it was big, you know. Um, I was the first one really to get drafted now, um, so. If it felt like, hey, you know, all the work was was uh, was something that you know it went and you accomplished it, but uh, to come in it like that's when it just begins. To be totally honest, you know what I mean. So you uh, you have that brief moment, and then you need to put your head down and, and, and get it going. Yeah, hundred percent. I definitely I asked about the draft day because I know for me, like my draft day, I was I was kind of mad. Like same thing. I was like, man, I got drafted in the fourth round and I slid. I left. And I and I I, I literally don't really remember because I was so angry from the day. So like when draft day, I still I'm, that's the one I kicked myself. Like, man, you gotta celebrate those moments regardless of when it is, right? Because football, like you said, it's over before you know it. Yeah. Once you get to Detroit, what was your welcome to the NFL moment? You remember earlier I was talking about <laughs> talking about my double one thing was when we did gases and stuff like that. Uh, I, we were coming first, bro. I look over. And I saw uh, Calvin Johnson, and I'm out there running. <laughs> Bro, this Bama gliding, and he's, like, way in front of me. And I'm like, <laughs> I look at my legs, and I don't know if you ever looked at your feet run. And I'm like, why aren't you running faster? And I was like, <laughs> I was like, oh, this is the truth, truth right here. And then, and then, and then we go in the weight room, and then we got uh, the vertical jump test. And he cleared everything, and they had to move that joint up again. I was like, oh, God. <laughs> so just seeing the other, like, when you walked into, like, obviously Megatron's a, a freak of nature. So, like, that was your welcome to the NFL moment. It was like, oh, there's there's creatures out here that doesn't it doesn't really matter, like, what I do. Yep. <laughs> he said, yep. That's, that yep. was it. <laughs> yeah, it's, it, it. It didn't matter. And to be honest, you know what I mean? Here's the thing, like. One thing that I always had in my mind was that I was better than everybody as far as like just out. That was like my my uh, that was my superpower. I was like, yo, this is I'm just the best, like no matter what. You might not be the best. You might not be the fastest. You might not be be the strongest. But the confidence I had, um, it was like, bro, I'm the best when I step on this field. I think that I lost that and I didn't lose it to like a DB. I lost that joint to Calvin Johnson. He might have been like the best. Like I was like, bro, I'm not better than him. And once I said that in my mind, my career was over. Wow. Once you said, so when I run it back, so you said once you kind of said that in your mind, it was like your my whole system was, was over, shook. Because like everything yes. you even self-talk, everything was like, I'm the best, I'm the best. The first time you said, yeah. I'm not better than him, it shocked yep. everything else. Looked everything, bro. And then I looked at my eyes, looked at somebody, and kind of like out of. I mean, he's a Hall of Famer, and I was like, bro, he, he, this is the best dude out there. And really, for me, and to be honest, if you look at the greats, like yeah, you play with great people, but bro, you still got that hunger in you. You like, I'm, I'm the best out there, bro. It's nothing that's different about. I look at basketball. It's nothing that's different. Like LeBron James, 
bro, he's not the, he doesn't jump the highs. He doesn't do all this other stuff like that. But his mentality is that he's the best. And that's what's got him there. He's always had it there. That's why I say mental strength is like mental health and, and understanding your mind and understanding what, what, what you need to do. Um, that, 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 that uh, propels you everywhere. Your mind is so strong and it can take you so many places. But once I saw that and once I said that, like, I was done, bro. Like, I, I, the plays that I used to make, I couldn't make them anymore because I was like, bro, like, I'll run routes. And usually when I'm out there, like, when I'm out there, I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm giving it to him. Ah, I should get the ball. I was like, I'll go out that joint and be like, oh, they throwing that joint to CJ. So I get ready to get ready to jump on his back and say, good job, man. Like, once you start feeling that way, bro, it was over. That's- man, that was, that, was, that was your edge. That was your edge. Like, that was your yeah. special sauce. That's that's powerful stuff. I mean, that's interesting to hear. I, I'm not. I, I, I never heard that dynamic before. That's. I, I I tell my son this here. I say, look, we work right now because one day you're gonna meet the beast, right? One day you're gonna meet the beast. The beast can come now. The beast can come, you know, in college. The beast can come in the NFL. The beast is gonna come, and you're gonna meet him. How are you gonna react, right? I said, hey, my beast was in my room, and I was CJ. Um, and you know, he didn't miss anything. He did, he did everything on time. Everything that I thought I was good at, he did it better. And the competition level, as far as like the competitive in me was like, the competitor in me was like, man, he's better than me at this and this and this and this. Like I didn't fight. And what I needed to do was fight and still be a teammate, but fight like, bro, like I'm still like, hey, he do it, shit, I'm going to do it better. He that fast, I'm going to get faster. Like, every time you got to start thinking like that. And I tell my son that, too. I'll be like, yo, bro, like, you're going to meet that beast right now. You might be killing right now. But, hey, it's a dude that might be come from Jamaica, Tawana, or somewhere like that. He going to come out. He going to show your little butt up. And what you going to do? That's a gem in itself, like a diamond gem, because, like, that just sets your whole perspective on, like, what you're – what you're preparing against. I know when I was growing yeah. up, my dad would be like, look, man, top, it was always percents, like top 1% here. You can worry about this league. You can worry about the state. Don't worry about the state. Don't worry about the city. Don't worry about this. Don't worry about the East Coast. You need to be worried about the whole country. So like that aspect of like, there's always somebody else and not even seeing stuff in front of you. And then like, you kind of get to those, that group of people and like what it looks like. And you're like, you know, coming to high school, you get to that group that everyone talks about and you start gaining confidence. Like, oh, I'm, I'm yeah. killing these dudes. Or, I'm, I'm good. I'm better than this. But you said you got to the NFL, and I was like, oh, man, I don't know. I can't <laughs> I don't lie to know, myself. <laughs> I can't lie to myself right now, bro. I'll be thinking, like, if I was Matt, I'd be throwing it over there, too, bro. <laughs> like, dang. <laughs> it was sometime, bro, Matt would throw me the ball. I wouldn't even be looking because I knew he was trying to throw it over. I knew he was throwing it over there. So I was like, hey, bro, I'm just going to run this cut five over here. And, like, I'm going to run it just to say I ran it. But the ball ain't coming to me. It's going to CJ. Man. And so I, I, I stopped being ready. Right, right. So what would you tell a, play, a college player getting ready to make that jump into the NFL? Because, like, bro, have that mentality. You're the best. You're going to kill it. Compete every single day, no matter who it is. If you go there with, uh, if you go to Kansas City, bro, and you out there with the cheetah, bro, like, cheetah good, but I got to be a faster cheetah. I got to, I got to want that ball. I got to make my plays. I got to do all that stuff, bro. Like, I need that, I need that ball. Um, when we were coming up, you think about like uh, what uh, Mike Wallace and um, AB, they call that the Bugatti boys. Them boys were out there competing no matter who it was. AB, uh, Manuel Sanders, them boys was out there hungry. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. They ain't care about Heinz Ward or nothing like that. He was good. They respected him, but they was like, bro, this is we the Bugatti boys. We coming. I tell guys all the time when we get to the, we talk talking about the NFL piece, man. It's like it's like literally being in open water with a whole bunch of great white sharks. Like that's yep. that's the easiest way to explain you it. Got, you better be ready to eat. You, like every day, that got, dog you mentality. You gotta be hungry, bro. People playing for like mortgages, that, that's man. At, at, at that at that draft, like that's the beginning of that hunger, that that thirst. Like you got to be ready to go out there and eat, man. That's it, guys. Making that jump to the NFL, guys. Get ready pre-draft, man. Remember, you change your mentality. You're going to go take food off another man's plate at the end of the day, and cats come to practice with that mentality and ready to get it. Take a quick break. We're going to have an LIG read here. One second. This episode is brought to you by LIG Sports Group, a football operations strategy group. And this is Blue Chip Academy's Blueprints of Success, a recruiting NIL player development support program. The college landscape has vastly shifted with the transfer portal, NIL, and other changing dynamics. Without proper guidance, many athletes will fail to maximize their full potential. LIG's Blue Chip Academy provides recruiting NIL and player development advising for families and athletes so they can make the best decision at the critical points in their career, setting themselves up for success both on and off the field. They will receive a provi- they will receive personal football operation, player development, and recruiting advisory services, a full head coach evaluation on their strengths, weaknesses, and offseason plan, along with two recruiting calls a month and one 45-minute lesson in the business of football and the recruiting process. All right, man. So we're getting into the critical insights and specific knowledge during the transition. So football is here, all that good stuff. How was the transition from the game for you? Uh, I mean, it was tough. One of the hardest things I've ever done in my life because you you think about that plan A that you always had, not having a plan B. Bro, I was looking at, you know, trying to figure out what I wanted to do, what I wanted to be. And, you know, I didn't have time to wait. Like, um, you know, I, I had things that I needed to meet. I had a family. I had, you know, kids. And uh, I couldn't wait for, you know, years to still try to get in the NFL or try to get back. Like, that percentage was way down. So I needed to figure out what I wanted to do. I needed to figure out what made money. Um, I tell people all the time right now, um, one thing that we don't do well in the African-American culture is show kids different ways to make money, what jobs out there make money. Um, Because we always think about, like, in our culture that we always think about, you know, in any culture, think about sports. We think about entertainment. But it's people out here that are are working and you can make a good living and sometimes live better than what, you know, you're living in the NFL if you really can put your head down and go. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, and and I I don't think I had a a good vision of that. So uh, I had to figure that out with, you know, being – depressed of not playing and stuff like that right that's interesting it's almost a gift and a, a gift and a curse when you said you were shifted and like kind of propelled into the transition where you couldn't you couldn't play around in that rigor mortis period where you're like oh, i'm trying to go work out i'm trying to get back into the league where a lot of guys kind of fall like get that two years of chasing it and then put themselves behind the eight ball you kind of were forced into it but sometimes when you're forced into it you're like in a new career or a new thing and you're like halfway there and halfway out of it what were some of your first jobs, and how did you get those roles? Um, the first one, I worked with this company, Blair Companies, and that was out by State College in Altoona, Pennsylvania. Just to interrupt, Honestly, any college, so College Connections helped you land that job? 
Oh, yeah, most definitely. Every job that I've getting started, every job that I had was all through college connections, all through ex-teammates, all through um, all through, um, you know, just networking at school. The little networking I did, if it was more who's telling what my career would be right now. Um, but it was a it was a, a, a connection that I had at school and I knew that I wanted to get in sales. Um, and to be honest, the only reason why I knew I wanted to get in sales because I went to a Penn State game one time and I was looking at some of the team, my teammates and they pull up in RVs and I was like, bro, they look like they getting it right now. <laughs> I was like, what y'all do? They was like, uh, we're in medical sales, we're in this. And I was like, I need to be in that. So <laughs> they was like, hey, do you have any sales experience? I said, bro, I've been selling myself my entire life. You know what I mean? That's what, that's what I do. And uh, they was like, all right, well, we'll try to get you in. They was like, what are you, what are you doing now? And I was like, Right now, I'm waiting for y'all to call me. <laughs> like, I'm waiting on y'all. You know, so I just had to get my foot in the door in some type of sales experience. Um, and um, just the connections put me with this company called Blair Companies in, uh, in, in the State College area. That's, that's, that's crazy. Man, you, t- you mentioned that you told them that you wanted to get into sales. Like, when you were playing, I mean, once you got done, was that the first instant, instinct where you uh, said that you wanted to get into sales when you saw those guys with the RVs? Yeah, to be honest. I, to be honest, I, I didn't know that medical sales or anything like that ex- existed. You know what I mean? Um, I was so laser focused on football. Uh, and then you can think about like uh, you can think about the, the jobs that people would say, oh, I can be a doctor. I can do this. A firefighter, like just typical jobs. Sometimes when I even ask kids now, like, you know, what do you want to do after football or be like a mile on road? They would be like, hey, I want to be a doctor. And I'm like, what type of doctor? Right. And they don't know. Yeah. You know what I mean? So kind of do your research on it's, you know, different different areas, different specialties that you can do uh, as far as like, you know, being in that professional field there. And I didn't know it, but I wish I would have known, um, you know, some of the different uh, different things that were out there, especially that can make, you know, great money. That's, that's incredible. Yes. And that's incredibly true, because like even when you bring in my role, I remember being in a cabin in high school with him and and like this question came up, like, what do you want to do? And he had said something crazy like he's doing now, like a surgeon or something. I was like, surgeon? Like, he's doing this for the uh, yeah. reporters. You know, the reporters was new at the time. And he was telling the truth. Miss Mug was a yeah, Rose Scholar and went to, and did the yeah. whole thing. Now he's a, uh, he's a brain surgeon, right? I, I yeah, he's a neurosurgeon. Neurosurgeon, yeah, yeah, yeah. So... But but now you got to think too if if that was nil he was creating that brand for him all the way from the beginning. Uh, you know, he was he he was saying that and he 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 did it. Right now, you know, outside of what he's doing in neurosurgery, his brand is so strong. He's on the NFL Network. He's you know doing all these conferences and stuff like that. But that's just him having a vision from you know this is what football is going to do for me. And after that, man, I got my whole life to live. That's that's a that's a hundred percent correct. The fact that you brought him up as an example, he lived it out. When you so you yep. get into medical sales, and obviously there's a transition. You're a, f- a football player. Take me through a little bit of the that steps to like get acclimated into being uh, a medical sales professional from being a football player. What were some of the the hurdles that you had to jump over? You, you know what the good thing about sales is that athletes usually do really good. Because you're competing, right? You got numbers that you're competing every day. Uh, you got people around the country that, you know, that might be on your team that, 
you're trying to win president club, you're trying to be recognized in the company as, you know, one of the best ones that are there. So I took some of those, uh, I took some of those like challenges. I took some of those like, uh, things that, that I kind of related to each other. And I was like, you know what, this is just like sports. Like, you know, I'm going to attack it the same way. Um, I'm going to attack it where, you know, I got to be knowledgeable about my products. Uh, I got to, understand and, and study these things. I got to, you know, show up for meetings and be the first one there never show up late for meetings um, and just be responsible uh, and reliable, um, you know, and then after that, you know, just start relating more to people. That's all sales is. Sales is never like you out there and you're spitting your knowledge and everything like that. Sales is you, people want to be around you. You know what I mean? And they understand, uh, they understand that if anything goes down it, they can rely on you to to give them what they need. And uh, I started relating all that stuff back to the lessons I learned in sports, man, um, and, and just tied it all together. That's big, especially when we talk about getting be- back to the core of it, right? Like, all right, what do I do? What do I know? All right, I'm going to outwork people. I, get this, I got this goal to make. I'm going to show up early for the different things, whether that's how we had to operate in school and all that good stuff. Was there a moment when you were in, like doing everything where you felt like, all right, you found your stride in the transition and now you feel comfortable reverting back to all your instincts where it's like, all right, I look at a sales guy. Oh, I'm about to, I'm getting this. I'm getting that where your confidence kind of kicked back in to like, you know what? Um, after year, like three, I've been in medical sales for about nine years now after year three and year I, won three? Pres- I won president's club. I was like, you know what? That was one of the biggest accomplishments ever because it was going to a, a space where I knew nothing about. Right. And being recognized as the five, I'm in a company with a thousand salespeople and the top five get President's Club. I'm like, bro, I just did that. Like, I I don't know nothing like that. I remember, you know, it was times when, (laughs) you know, in college, bro, like, I'll be like, yo, I'm going to go in there and I'm, you know, I'm just going to work. And and that's just what, like, like it was, it was something like, bro, I, I really proved it to myself that I was, you know, able to do something outside of football at that point in time. And I was like, all right, I can make this work. Now, what I do, it's not my love. Football is my love. I love coaching. I love helping kids out and stuff like that. But I've learned all the time, too, that your passion doesn't have to pay your bills, right? So um, this, is, this isn't this is like something that I love to do, but it's something that provides a great life for my, my family. But my passion is still with that pig skin, baby. Right. So I'll go out there and I'll help these high school kids. I will, you know, talk to parents, do anything like that um, that will fulfill that love. But, you know, my passion is my, my passion is that that pig skin. That's true. I mean, you made no great points. So it's like being able to do other things and still be able to exercise your passion and your background in football. Because, like you said, having a, a career outside of sports and being able to check that box because a lot of times we're going through I know for me going through I know there's always that 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 whispering voice in my head like man can I do that can I can I go yeah. to Wall Street can I start this can I I could do more than this so once you accomplish that that's amazing to hear that's like man I did that like you know you go yeah. to a new space everybody's been kind of going to school getting ready to be whatever sells you jump in and Find your find your stride. That's right. awesome. I, I think I, I think any anything, bro. As far as um, athletes, and especially in the sales space, like you got it. Like you've been taught it. The only thing that's the knock is is that you know once you get done, you don't have somebody creating your schedule anymore, right? All our lives, as far as an athlete, you got 
your schedule, you you understand like, hey, six thirty, I gotta be, you know, to training. Uh, because we got we got our, our running days, you know, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Uh, after that, I go to breakfast. After that, you know, 7.30 to, uh, to 2 o'clock, I got class. Then I come back and I got film room. Like, your schedule is given to you. Once you get done, you got to be able to create that schedule. And that's a tough task sometimes, you know what I mean? When everybody's then told you where to go, how to move, and all that stuff like that, it's a tough task to start understanding that, hey, this is the schedule that I need to be on. And the best ones, what they'll do is start relating that to what they were used to and then start, like, picking that off. Like, all right, look, I'm going to work out at 6.30, but I got to work out on my own. I need to eat breakfast. And then now I'm going to put my head down and I'm going to start understanding my products. And um, this is, like, my classroom stage right now. This is when I'm in class. And then I'm going to start understanding my products. And then after that, you know what I mean? If if you got a if you got somebody, then you say, hey, I'm gonna go around and I'm gonna start role playing, start seeing like, hey, I'm talking to Justin today, I'm gonna pitch this product, and um, just start relating everything that you have, put it back together. Um, you know, that's how you be successful after it because you you're given the tools being in sports, you're given the tools to be competitive, you're getting the tools to be responsible, you're getting the tools to be reliable, you're given all those tools, you just got to put it all together. Man, this is a book, man. It's 100% right. So what's the ideal personality or type player that would lend well following your post-career? Um, I don't think it's an ideal personality. Um, the trait that I've always looked for is uh, that I think that's just like like, uh, like the one thing you got is that you're a winner. You know what I mean? And usually if we're in that sports the atmosphere, all you want to do is win. You don't get in and to lose, you know what I mean? So that trait is already given to you because you're a competitor and you want to win. Um, personalities and stuff like that, you know, everybody has a different personality. But that one trait, that one thing that we we, we fall on is that we want to win, you know what I mean? And, and that's the relatable trait that's all through sports. 100%. 100% correct. So for – Players, so if a player's coming to the end of their career and they want to get into the healthcare industry, whether it's ortho sales or you know, medical device uh, divisions, any advice or steps that they can take to help find that first opportunity? Like, what, what should a player do? You know what? NFL guys, the NFL PA and all of they do a great job of um, connecting with uh the medical field, um, as far as like a transition stage, uh, we have a ton of the ex NFL players that are in the medical space. Uh, one, because again, you have all the traits to do well in sales, you're a competitor and all that stuff like that. Sometimes you're relatable too with some of the injuries you might've had and, you know, in some of the, uh, ortho uh, positions. Um, so, you know, uh, with the NFL, I would think a big thing would be connecting with the NFL PA, um, start creating resumes, uh, start understanding that like, hey, if you got foundations and if you got, you know, if you've been a part of uh, like Play 360, all this stuff could go on your resume as, you know, you're kind of selling yourself uh, and you're doing work. Um, so, um, you know, just kind of like trying to relate all that stuff together. And, and it's people out there that help put together a resume for you when you don't even think you have sales experience, but you do. You know, um, so I would think with the NFL trying to connect with, uh, you know, the NFL PA, 
Um, sometimes in the summer, in the off seasons, I would also try to do like a like a shadow in like intern a little bit um, when you when you have time because you know the, the medical field is not going anywhere. For college guys, um, I would kind of look at the alumni, start reaching out to some of those guys, creating those LinkedIn pages, um, start connecting the dots there, telling them like, hey, I'm reaching out because my career is about to come to an end. Start doing that maybe your junior year. Um, and like start putting yourself out there for like help from some of the ex alumni because it's a lot of them that's in there. Um, I guarantee with this football thing, I guarantee that it's on your team. You have you, on on the team or people that have played football uh, are in the field of you know medical sales, uh, medical device sales, pharmaceutical sales. And if you put yourself out there and understand how to get in touch with them from, like, job fairs, from anything like that. Like, it can help you uh, take that step to getting into that career path. That's, so, that's key, man. That's, Derek's one of the people that I called when I was transitioning out, and he was in medical sales, and I was like, man, how do you like it? What should I do to how to get into it? And I actually took his advice and gained my first job at a physical therapy spot where I was dealing with injuries and being able to make that transition to help learn the market and sales, all those things. So he kind of gave that advice to me when I was transitioning out and helped catapult and bring these different skills to be able to get to the point where I'm at now, even transitioning back into football. So man, right. you've done so much in your life so far. What's your career end goal? Like I told you before, my purpose is that pigskin. I love it. You know what I mean? I love giving back to the community. Um, I got kids now, man, kids. So <laughs> my thing is, is that I want to pass the torch. You know what I mean? I think our parents did a great job of passing the torch and I think that that's our end goal as once you start creating your own family, the end goal is to pass the torch to your kids. Um, and that's what I want to do. Things that I didn't know, I want to make them aware of. Uh, things that I didn't know, I want to make my community aware of. But my end goal is to be able to pass the torch there and get somebody to do it way better than I've done it. And, uh, you know, that's when I'll be happy. You know what I mean? Absolutely, man. That's some strong stuff there, man. So, Derek, we just that was our last question, man. Thank you so much for joining us on the Blueprint to Success, man. Just Thank to recap, problem, just to recap a little bit what he said, man. Going into this whole process, having a having a real blueprint, having a focus. You know what I'm saying? And understanding that Derek even operates and looked back in the rear view and just seeing that keeping his eyes and vision open while he's going through his college process and looking at some of the different things outside of the sports that he could have helped, maybe accelerate his, his path or the transition or different things that he may have done, but also been able to uh, pivot and make great, great strides in his career, transition into orthopedic sales after having a very successful football career from high school all the way into the NFL and, and finding a stride in the medical sales field and just giving those uh, blueprints and steps for the next coming athletes and continue to build and give back to the next group of people in sports, whether it's our kids, our next generation, and passing down the things that we kind of learn and having a, new, a unique look at this whole football ecosystem, man. So you guys like, subscribe uh, to this video, and make sure you take a chance to download the checklist, um, the Blue Chip Academy's uh, checklist, so you guys are making informed decisions going through the recruiting process, and join LIG's Blue Chip Academy Facebook group. And Derek, man, thanks again for joining us. Thank you, brother. Uh, no Thank doubt, you. You're doing some good stuff over there, bro. I keep texting you that and telling you that you're doing some good, good stuff. You, you're dropping the knowledge for these kids, man. Um, I appreciate you, brother. Man, thank you so much, man. And now to be, yeah, man, life is good. All right, man.
Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Blue Chip Academy. To help navigate the recruiting waters, LIG Sports Group put together a Blue Chip Recruiting Checklist. Download your checklist at LIGsports.com Blue Chip Academy to ensure you're making informed decisions through this process. Hit subscribe and check out the LIG Sports Group Football Ops and Recruiting YouTube channel where we'll talk about the recruiting and other critical points in the football ecosystem. If you're feeling stressed, confused, or just want to help putting together a blue chip blueprint for you and your son, don't hesitate to book a console call with me at LIGsports.com backslash Blue Chip Academy. Remember, everyone has a different journey. Keep sharpening and remember that you can only go to one school. Just make sure that you have your blue chip blueprint together and execute it. Life is good.